Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So the first thing that I'm looking to do as an owner is identifying actually what kind of personality is best fit for said position. Okay. Each position is different. Like we're talking about sales versus estimating. So ideally, I'm going to find that out. Okay. From there, we go to a five category that we judge is proven competence, okay. humble, hungry, smart, which is from the Pat- Patrick Lencioni books, the ideal team player. Okay. And then I want to know what kind of luck they have. Okay. And so what we do there is... What do you mean by luck? I'll get to it. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Perfectly coiffed hair, looks neat and presentable all the time. He is the uh, blockchain CEO. And uh, the question is if they're looking to back out after this. Our next guest was one of the first uh, and youngest names in the crypto space. Let's bring in Mitt Group CEO, Grant Mitterlaner. Tea time. Tea time like I got a cup of this shit. Tea time like golf at a quarter to six. I love the f- all right, guys, welcome back to the Grant Met Podcast, episode number 57. In this episode, we got a special guest, Justin Waller. Welcome to the show. It's great to have him, man. Glad to be here. Glad to, glad to meet you and glad to have you here. So Justin's a entrepreneur. He's been extremely successful in the construction space, built multiple multi-million dollar companies. He's an entrepreneur, well-known on social media, um, have huge impact on a lot of not only men, but men and women all across the United States and, and doing a lot of really exciting things here in Florida. So it's it's great to meet you and it's great to have you on the show. Glad to be here. Sure. Absolutely. Well, tell us just a little bit about, about your background. I know you born and raised in Louisiana, right? Just walk me through your background. What kind of made you want to get first into entrepreneurship and directly just into construction to kind of get started? Yeah, man, absolutely. So when I first started out, I knew I wanted to own a business at some point. But I graduated college in 2009, so that left me kind of in a position to, you know, not get the job I thought I was going to get. I was kind of promised when I joined the construction management school at at my college. It was 100% job placement at the time. I thought to myself that I'd go get me a really, really good job and then save up enough money to maybe start my own business one day. Okay. And that job just didn't happen. So I ended up digging ditches instead. It was a blessing in disguise. It was, I was at the the wrong end of that long-term debt cycle that Ray Dalio talks about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was inflation, 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 and something had to correct. Yeah. And when it did, I graduated college. Okay. And so it it got me at a place where I was able to get jobs, but I'd be the first one laid off. because like people have their senior, their seniority in companies, just like sure. anyone else. And yeah. I'd work for a company for a small period of time and get laid off. But um, in my first job that I got that was legitimate money, I was able to save enough to apply for my contractor's license. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because you have to have a net worth of $10,000. So that's what you need to get a contractor's that's license. That's what I needed at the time. Okay. And so what I did is I went to the bank and I auto-drafted money from one account to the other to make sure I could Clear. save that money. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And so I did that, and that was, I guess, 14 years ago. Really? Uh, since then, uh, we, we started off building small backyard projects. Okay. And now we build Costco's airplane hangers, Walgreens, awesome. basically everything yeah. across America. Right. So l- walk me through this because a lot of times too, you hear, I talk about all the time, you'll hear the speeches of the billionaire and the person that made it and they're sitting there and they've made it. And a lot of times their advice is very basic. They'll say things like, you just got to do what you love. You got to do what you're passionate about. If you're happy, you never work a day in life. And they say very generic things and it makes you feel good, but no one knows what the hell to do. 
What did those first one to two, even three years of business look like? Or the difficulties? What were the challenges that you're trying to figure out? And what kind of, at what point did you notice, okay, this is working, I'm figuring this out, we're starting to kind of get moved in the right direction? Yeah, I feel like a lot of those guys are so vague because they know the truth is, is that you just got to get in there and do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You know, like if you were to ask me even, what is the formula of making sure that your business works? I wouldn't be able to give you a very direct answer because every day there's something else that you're having to solve. To, to solve. It's yeah. almost like trying to get an airplane off the runway mm-hmm. while you're duct taping it coming off coming yeah. off the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it starts to get off the ground and you think you've got it and then bam, you crash back into the yeah. runway and bam, and then slowly you start to kind of get in the air. Yeah. And you're fixing all of these different things and what people don't understand at different altitudes, right? you have different issues. Right. So when you're scaling, mm-hmm. you know, I would always grow into a problem and realize that I had not been to that altitude yet. Yeah. And so for that reason, I had to go turn around and figure out how to solve said problem. Take a couple of steps back right. to Right, to or it's like, forward. okay, I need to leave it right here until I understand how to accelerate to get to 30,000 feet. Yeah. And I had a lot of growing pains over that, man. I got I got to 20,000 feet quite a few times and got yeah. slammed to the ground yeah. and somehow figured out how to keep the engine on and keep it going. And that's such an internal battle right. with every entrepreneur, every person that thinks they want to have a business. That's why I always talk about your physical health and the exercise and making sure that you're taking care of yourself because you're going to go through some blows. Right. You know, for me, you know, we went from having three guys and a $2,500 payroll to finally getting to the point where I had an estimator and we're bidding jobs every week and we had a flow going. We had built some systems that would at least allow us to go after bigger projects, bigger projects, higher revenue. So we built a, a really good system for estimating a really good system for finding our ideal customer. Okay. And once we did that, then it, then it scaled into the next thing. It was like, how do you, how do you do the manpower and the logistics of the manpower mm-hmm. in a way that's going to match not only the individual running said job with right. his skill set, but making sure he's the kind of guy that can work for certain GCs. Cause even in construction, certain jobs are different. So, some jobs are really lax on safety, let's say. Right. But now when I go into oil and gas plant, there's only a handful of superintendents that I would trust to go in front of that customer. They can't mess up. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I'm going to throw away the guy that's going to do the 100,000 square foot in a cornfield somewhere. Right. I can still put him there, but right. it gets to a point where you're almost playing a matching game, setting up certain employees right. for certain projects mm-hmm. just so they can be graceful. Right. You know, every employee in a company is an asset. Right. And so learning your people right. is really, really important in regards to setting them up to be graceful because you might have a good guy right. that can make the company a bunch of money. Right. He's just not going to make you money on certain projects because exactly. he'll get kicked off the job. One of my best foremans I ever have, yeah. I wouldn't send to work in an industrial setting. Yeah. Why is he that? He kicked out the first fucking day. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's a cowboy. Right. You know, he's a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's not safe. Right. I'm just saying that he, he's there to get the job done and get the hell out of there. Yeah. Not the personality I would send in front of like a huge, you know, client like a Jacobs Engineering or somebody like that. You got to send certain people to do certain jobs to match that profile forces are for a reason exactly yeah and so and that's even in the office you know like i wouldn't have somebody that i thought was a great salesperson doing my estimating of course not because i need them to have an energy for going through the plans and being meticulous about every detail and make sure this guy just wants to get the deal yeah he just wants to get the deal right and i need to make sure that we're covered on our man hours and our equipment and we're putting the right amount of cranes into a job and that we're taking consideration the per diem or the hotels and things that would take for us to work out of town and, um, and so a lot of, 
running a company is understanding your people in a way that you can right. set them up to be graceful. And I feel like at this point in my career, that is my number one job. Yeah, no, absolutely. What's interesting, so I mean, we talked briefly because I'm in the solar industry and our first year we came out the gate swinging and we did 5.6 million in revenue. And you're like, you know, you're doing your, your victory laps, you're filling it, all the family. I knew he would make it. You know, you get all of that yeah. stuff. And it's kind of like what you were talking about those first couple of years and, and implementing processes and systems and different things. And all of a sudden, I got through Christmas in December and January, just in general in solar, the winter months are typically a little bit more difficult. And at that point, we had grown so much. We have so much success. And I was like, we need to scale. We need to scale. We need to scale. We need to scale. I didn't realize that I had to rebuild basically an entire new foundation with structures, with processes, with the right leadership, the right training processes, every little tiny detail that you don't think about because you and I could do it per se. You could have a couple leaders that in a blink of eye can do anything, but that's not scalable. And so we ended up next quarter, we went negative cash flow, 150 grand, which felt like the world. In there. The world at that time. I mean, you're up late, just, you know, you, I mean, you got that gut in your stomach. You just did this victory lap. Everyone thinks you're the man. And you're like, this is, you know, you're, at, you're looking, you're staring death in the eye, basically. And I had to reconstruct and rebuild everything. And man, you do it quick. When you see that coming, you have to move quick and adjust it. And, and that's what I've learned is each new level you have. Yeah, the old problems become very easy to beat, but you don't make a certain amount of money or have a certain type of business. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're on the beach. You have a new set of problems that are on a completely different level. And with a different level uh, playing field with, you know, people that are just as good, if not better than you. Yep. And so learning those things, sometimes it just takes simply growing through it. Right. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's like, what would you say is, you know, you, you talk about the intricacies of knowing your people, knowing where to put them in the right place. How important is team building and what, when you're interviewing someone, you're going to partner with someone, you're entering a new business, you're, you're meeting people for the first time. What type of, I would say, personality traits, skill sets, what types of things are you looking at when you're working with people, you're doing business with them that you know that they're the right fit and they're good for your business or in general and just in life? Yeah. So that, that's actually a really great question. So the first thing that I'm looking to do as an owner is identifying actually what kind of personality is best fit for said position. Okay. Each position is different. Like we're talking about sales versus estimating. So ideally, I'm going to find that out. Okay. From there, we go to a five category that we judge is proven competence, okay. humble, hungry, smart, which is from the Pat Patrick Lencioni books, the ideal team player. Okay. And then I want to know what kind of luck they have. Okay. And so what we do there is... What do you mean by luck? I'll get to it. I'll, I'll tell you. So when we start, there's very loaded questions, okay. whether it's a foreman or whether it's somebody keeping books. Um, sometimes we even uh, use the website Prove It. Okay. So there's a website called Prove It. Let's say I was doing a bookkeeper. Yeah we would have her take the QuickBooks prove it test mm. to see if she was actually competent at the software itself. And actually do the work. Yeah. And then from there, once we find out proven competence, we go into humble, hungry, smart and humble is basically, let's say I'm hiring a foreman. Yeah. Would you be willing to work for a dollar less an hour for the first six weeks? So you can prove to us you're as good as you say you are. Mm. Most people that are really good at their job will be okay with that because they believe in themselves. They, they can prove it. They have no right. problem with that. Hungry would be a question more along the lines of like, 
would you be willing to go out of town and work for three months on short notice? Because sometimes we get contracts and they fall in our lap. The deal works so, and you got to make it happen. Yeah, so to find out whether they're hungry or not, you know, are they willing to go that extra mile, you know, yeah. for their career, for their work? Or do they have a bunch of hobbies that would not allow them to do it? Yeah. Uh, either way, it's fine. It's just I need people that are hungry. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. And then smart, that's mostly about EQ. So we're trying to get them to talk poorly about where they currently work. Mm. Very loaded questions to see if we can get them to talk about the company they currently work at. And the reason for that is, is that we believe if they will do it to the company they're at now, they'll do yeah. it to us tomorrow. Of course. And that creates cancer. Mm. Right. So if you have somebody in the office talking about the company negatively, it changes the whole momentum of the team and all the team building that we do. It happens fast. It happens really fast and, and it's contagious. People yeah. like drama. Yeah. So the last thing is luck. I genuinely don't want a person in my company that feels like they're unlucky. Because mm. I've noticed over time that the people that come to me starting off with bad luck genu genuinely have bad luck once they're in the company. Yeah. And I don't want their bad luck around me. I don't want it around my people. No. And I don't want it affecting my projects. Yeah. Because if they have bad luck, their dog died and they have to fly home and leave a project or they have to you know, do one thing or another, then the other people see that. And then it creates this whole cycle of self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it also, you know, they'll come to you with a really sad excuse for something like their grandma died. And it's always feels, sounds right. Yeah, and they get the best story. Yeah, and, and so, uh, honestly, I just want lucky people in my businesses. That's interesting. Cause I feel like you really, you can really bring it to yourself. I always tell people when they ask me, especially like in the elevator or I'm checking out at a store, they'll be like, how's your day going? I can't have a bad day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't have a bad day. It's not possible. Impossible. And, and it's a really cool thing because for me, I see people's, I see people, a light bulb go off. They're like, huh? Yeah. And I like doing it because I feel like I've given that to them. Yeah. You know, because when it hits them and they're like, oh, I see what you're doing there. Because most people just say, oh, good. How about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when I tell them I can't have a bad day, it, it's a, it's, it's a spell I'm putting on myself yeah. and I'm giving to them as a gift if they're willing to take it. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, man, I, there's not really a lot of room for people with bad luck. So if I can cover competence, humble, hungry, smart, and luck, I feel like I'm at least 80% there. And yeah. so now it's about, do you have intention? Are you a problem solver? Yeah. You know, and am I catching you in the right part of your life cycle in your career? Which is important. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So depending on the position, I do pay attention to their age, their marital status, all these other things. Now, I wouldn't discriminate right. um, over it. But it's definitely something I'm paying attention to. Right. Because what's interesting is, you know, you could, and you know this through managing people is, let's say you had a team of 10 people and you had so much success. The hardest part about leadership and management, one is that you never stop learning. You have to, it's always a puzzle you got to solve. But just because you made that team of 10 successful does not mean you're now managing the exact same people 10 months later, six months later, even a month later, right. because two of them were all they cared about it, money. That's all they want. They suddenly met some girl. They fell in love. That's all they care about now, right? Or they were just so passionate and focused about life. Suddenly out of nowhere, the most important person to them dies. Something just happens. And 
when you're dealing with people, people come with a lot of different baggage and a lot of different things. And I love what you're saying is, it sounds like you just have a, I don't want to make it sound bad, but you almost have a really great filter set up to prevent the wrong people in. And, and it's much easier to do the work on the front end. Well, it takes a little bit more time to prevent the wrong people from getting into your life, not only just in a business perspective, but on a personal level, than to clean up after they've messed it up and they've caused damage. Because, you know, it's like, a, it's like an investment, for example, you lose 50% on the investment, it takes 100% return just to get that back. Thousand percent, man, and and we deal with it all the time. It's like you can spend loads and loads of money trading the wrong person and realize they were the wrong one, and you're a hundred thousand dollars upside down on an individual. Yep not 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 only counting the opportunity cost that they affected the business as well. Thousand percent. I mean, every employee should be a profit center in some way. Yeah. Even down to the bookkeeper, uh, making sure that accounts receivable are coming in on time. Yeah. What is the difference to a bank account over the year? Yeah. If you can get your receivables in in under forty days. You know, because if you drag them out to 60 days, you're loaning that project money. Yeah. And money sitting in the bank is worth something. So that's it. Yeah. It's very important to pay attention to what's the driver for each position. Yeah. Like what is the statistic that they should be measured by? Yeah. In in our business, we call it a throat to choke. Okay. You know, you got to know who's responsible for what. Yeah. So every day I get a report of each person in each org board and the statistics that they put out every day. Interesting. What that does for us is allows us not to be biased in any way. It eliminates the guessing. Numbers are numbers. So the politics go away. Mm. When you can manage from politics and manage from, I should be paying you more money instead of you should be making me richer, which is something I like to do. We're talking about entrepreneurship. Right. We came on. It's like, if I can tie a statistic that I can manage you by and then come to you and say, you should be making more money or we should be making more money collectively, me and you, then I'm doing it from a a much more powerful place, a place that's care, a place that, Hey, I care about your future. I care about your family. If I can manage from there, then it's hard for a person to feel like I don't care about them and they can get on board a lot faster. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and what part of your business did you really start inputting all these different things like statistics, technology, data, all these different things? Cause at first, most businesses, the first year, you know, they're just trying to make make payroll and survive and become profitable and everything like that. So the first few years, I was definitely just wearing 30 hats. Yeah. I'd load my truck up. I'd have a tool belt in it and some boots, and I'd have some slacks and some dress shoes so I could go to the bank and beg for money. Yeah. You know, and try to get lines of credit so we could take on more projects. Sure. And so that was in the beginning. And then somewhere around year five, I got really, really deep with E-Myth. Yeah. And did some consulting for a year or two, one-on-one direct. Yeah. And at that point, what I believe really happened to me is I got so systems oriented that I almost turned into an engineer. Mm, so okay. it, it kind of made me cold. So I left the human part out. And so it wasn't until probably year six or seven where I found a good happy balance, happy balance in between yeah. spending the time with the people, having the systems in place, yeah. knowing who was going to be around forever, knowing who was a mercenary. And sometimes having to keep that guy anyway, mm. I always say that it, most of the time in the business, especially in construction, you have a percentage of guys that are dead men walking, Yeah, but you're not going to put the company at risk by firing them, even though, you know, they're kind of a mercenary and they don't really care about the company. They're like they're yeah. there fully for themselves yeah, sure. because you have to protect other families. Mm. And so we need to be, we, there were times where we had to be able to scale and take on enough work that the customer could trust us. Mm. At the same time, I knew there was guys there that needed to go. 
Yeah. And I kept them on for myself, the business, and the other foremen, yeah. their families. Yeah. Because if I had not done that, we'd have not been able to grow mm. and find the people that are with us today. Yeah. And so a lot of the guys from back then are still with me, but a lot of them are gone as well. And yeah. so many times, man, you're, you're going to plant a bunch of trees and then, and then cut 80% of them, keep the 20, plant a bunch more, yeah. cut the 80%, keep the 20. And we're really at that place where I've been in, through enough rotations of that, that I know who's going to be here and who's not. And when new guys come on, mm-hmm. you know, we look at them and evaluate them the same way we did in the past, yeah. you know, or do they have these five things? Are they really about what they say they are? And if they are, we keep them and then we cut the rest and do it again. Yeah. It was constant. People make the mistake of getting comfortable in a business and thinking, okay, we have it all under control. We can stop recruiting. Mm. As long as I'm bidding work, recruiting. I'm recruiting. At, in fact, I would yeah. say at a 1.25 ratio. Yeah. Because you never know when you're going to land that really big one. Mm. And you actually need to have abundance in your, in your not only your life, yeah. in your career when it comes to bidding work. Mm-hmm. So we can let go of jobs if, if they're not profitable. Right. You know, if we get squeezed by somebody and we're like, okay, cool, let the guy do it. The, yeah. You know, or, hey, you don't want to wear your hard hat. You don't want to tie off. You don't want to do a safety plan. Cool, man. Later. I got somebody else. Yeah. And then, and then what's really good about that is it gets to a place where not only the employees know that, but the customers know that. So it mm-hmm. gets really, really healthy where you can put in some healthy lines and be like, hey, listen, I'm going to do a really good job for you, but I can't do it for free. Yeah. Or you go, you go to the guy and you say, hey, listen, John, I love you to death. You've been with the company a long time. I believe in you. You've been here. I chose you. I want you to make me right. But if you can't follow the safety, the quality in the production, it doesn't work, man. Yeah. And I'm not even mad at you. I'm just telling you. That's the way it is. I brought you here and I need you here. So I need you to do that for me. Yeah. And if they can't, man, they know I got people that will replace them. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's just the brutal reality of business. It's not because I want to get rid of them. Yeah. I need you to do your job, you know? So what do you think is, because I've heard a lot of this lately, and I'm, I've been trying to even just analyze in my own business and how to do it, is a lot of times people say, it's like a family, it's like a family. But any true business is not fully like a family because a family, regardless of what happens, you're going to take care of them. You're not going to fire them. You're not going to do these different things. And I heard, um, I think it was Reed Hastings, the founder of Netflix. He said, we run our business like a professional sports team. And the plus side to that is that people know that they're here to perform. We pay the hell out of people that do the right things. But then I also think that there's a good balance to making sure that every single person on the team feels heard, that they are valued, that you're there for them, even on a personal level. What's your take? What do you think is the right balance, one or the other? What, what, how have you viewed in your companies and what mistakes have you made on the way to kind of get it in the right, I would say, portion of that? So for us, I would, I would say we're like a family at the management level, Okay, but it's really, really close. Got it. Now, there's people that come into that group and we have to vet them collectively. Mm. What I found is very interesting is that if somebody's not performing, there's a conversation amongst the family that was already there, whether this person is going to fit or not. Mm. And so you already knew our, our, instead of it just being me, yeah, we're to the point that we're close enough that I don't even have to fire people all the time. Mm. My people might fire you before I even get a chance right. because they see up close what you're producing, what you're giving. I have crews in the field that will fire guys yeah. just because they're, they're in that group yeah. and they have a certain culture inside that group and they don't like it if somebody's not meeting that culture and they'll get rid of them themselves. That's beautiful. You know? Yeah. And so sometimes I'm even fighting to keep certain people. You're like, why'd you fire him? Yeah. And they, yeah. yeah. So I have a guy that they just let go, man. He's been with me a long time. Really? But he's got... 
gets drunk and drives company trucks. Oh, Lord. And it's like, bro, can't do that. And, and I've saved them before. And this particular time, because so much of the management team in the company felt the same way about them. They forced your hand. I had, I had to go with what they said. And I think that's really important because one thing I'm always trying to do is let my team know that I don't need to be right. I need us to win. Yes. And when those opportunities come for me to say I'm wrong or somebody else's idea is better yeah. or what you guys want for the company is better than maybe my feelings towards, towards right. an individual, it's a really great opportunity to let them know that their vote matters, right? what they say matters. Because if you can't do that, then you're going to have a bunch of people in the boat with you. Isn't you? Yeah. And, they, and they're not even rowing the boat anymore. They have their hands crossed. They say, no matter what I say, he's not going to hear it anyway. So let him do all the pushing. And so I think it's really, really important to, at a minimum, let your people feel heard, ask them what they think, because the last thing I would want in a quick way for me to not want you on my team is to believe that you're just going to say yes to anything I say, because you don't really care enough to stand up and speak on the subject. Yeah. And those times happen, but more importantly, I think it's important for the owner or the leader to be able to hear those other opinions and really holistically listen to his leadership team and make yeah. decisions with them in mind. Sure. Sure. Let's, uh, I want to switch to just like, even on a just personal level for people that are growing up, whether they're 18, 20, 30, they're trying to figure out what to do in life. A lot of that. And I know you've, you've seen this is how much people's personal lives affects their life at work, whether they're entrepreneurs, whether they work for someone, whether they're in a growing industry, however much success that they're having. And what, what is your take and like how do you find the right people in in your life close you know, like close boys that you're your friends with and they got your back how how do you find the right girl or for the girls that listen the right man or whatever the case may be how do you get the right personal life set up that it actually doesn't hold your career path back in any sorts but it actually kind of projects and actually pushes it to a higher level what's your how do you find that and how do you create that balance especially early on when you're just kind of figuring out life well, for me, man, I, I, I say this quite a bit as I, I really gave my twenties up. And so I was not focused on women at all. Yeah. I had some long-term girlfriends in my twenties. And I think the, the real benefit to me there was the fact that because I wasn't out going and looking for it, I just kind of had something kind of consistent or yeah, yeah, yeah. here and there. And then I stayed home a lot. I needed that alone time yeah. myself to unpack everything at the end of the day. Sure. I needed that time to think about with no noise around me, no distractions. Like what is really best? So it could get quiet enough where I could hear my own thoughts. Yeah. You know, I always say that if you're going to meet God, he's up at 4 a.m. And I always say that mostly because that is when it's truly the world is quiet enough where you can hear what you really feel inside. And most yeah. of the time your gut's right. If you know you have to get rid of a guy or you know that maybe you shouldn't take that contract, maybe it's a little too big and it could hurt you. Yeah. You're not ready for it yet. All those thoughts that are really going to come to you, they're really going to hit home when you're kind of in a quiet space. Yeah. So back then, I, I used isolation to help me out a lot. Right. As you move forward and you start looking for a partner or, so, or how you want to live yeah. your life, I think it makes sense that you're established and you have a really good grip. Yeah. It, I, for me, being at 30,000 feet yeah. and kind of understanding where all the dials are in the plane and right. what's going to make the thing move right. um, is very, very, very important. And I think that if you can get to a place where you're stable, particularly as a man, if you're stable, then maybe finding a partner makes sense. But if you're unstable and not sure if you can pay for dinner, 
dating's not the right time because it's just going to add a, a certain kind of pressure to you that's not necessary. Right. For women, I don't think it's popular, but I would look for a man that has his shit together. Yeah. And those are really hard to come by. Right. And in addition to that, in 2023, when a guy has his shit together, he's not as willing to commit as he used to be. Not anymore. Which brings a whole new problem to young women out there. I, I actually feel quite bad for, for women these days because, yeah. first of all, you know, they're in high school or junior high or whatever, and they feel like their value is attached to their social media following. Mm. And that social media following can only grow if you can show skin a lot of times. Right which is a super sad situation for young ladies out there. Sure. So they're, they're caught between, you know, wanting, wanting to get the attention of men yeah. and particularly the men they want and finding a guy that's actually worth his salt and willing to do the things that maybe she has in mind for her own life. Yeah. So I think it's a very hard situation for women out there of all ages. I don't yeah. think it's easy. And I certainly don't think it's easy for men as well because when a young man gets online, He's competing against guys like me and you. Yeah. And, you know, it used to not be that way. So I think it's a very, very hard situation for both sexes right now. It's, it's super sad. And uh, and I, I just don't even know where that's even going to go. So why, why do you think, because um, I've noticed this too, is why do you think guys that when they do become successful are not wanting to settle down? They have choice. They have choice. Yeah. I mean... It's, it's an ugly truth and I get a lot of flack because of it, but I mean, as long as time outside the last hundred years, monogamy really, really wasn't a thing. Yeah. You know, if, if you were able to put yourself in a position of power, you would have more than one woman. Yeah. That, that is, that is an old, old system. Yeah. And I think it's in us and you could say that it's immaturity or you could say that it's insecurity. You could say all these things, but I, on the macro, I believe that men are just very, very attracted to women. Yeah. And, and they do like to have sex. Yeah. 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 And they do like variety and, and, uh, not popular, but very true. And and if you look over even the last 20, 30 years, presidents, athletes, all rock stars, all the, no, no, everybody knows. Yeah. So it's, it's a hard situation, I think for both sides, because if those guys are getting all the girls and the guys that are doing the everyday jobs, you know, that make the world go round, they probably struggle a little bit in that category, particularly when their wife or girlfriend is on social media, seeing guys, you know, yeah. that are driving fast cars and doing all these, you know, which may or may not even be real. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you never know. So it's, it, I do think it's a very, very hard time yeah. in the civilization for the nuclear family to thrive. It's, it's something that even I ask myself all the time. It's like, what would it look like if it was fixed? Yeah. And the only thing I can even think of is if social media didn't exist. And I don't yeah. see that going anywhere. Well, it's, a, it's almost like a huge human test. And what's interesting, I, I don't know about you, how old are you? 37. 37, okay, see, I'm, I'm 28. So I was the last, the very last person that when the lights came on, on the streets, I had to be home because I was riding, riding bikes with my friends, terrorizing the neighborhood, you know, doing whatever, right? Yeah. And so, you know, phones really started getting introduced. I mean, I remember sitting in, in a car going on a road trip or whatever, dreaming of, man, if we could watch TV in this back seat. That would be, it would make my life, right? right. Yep. And now you got three, four, five-year-olds. If you ever seen in grocery stores or whatever, their parents, the best way to shut the kid up is just give them an iPad. Yeah. And they're just glued in. Yeah. And what's interesting, what I heard is TikTok, obviously, is a Chinese company. What's interesting is TikTok in China, yeah. if you're under, I believe, 15, it's all science, math, learning, and all the different things. 
And, you know, now, especially on a macro scale, you have all these countries that could basically destroy themselves. And so it's this crazy chess match that you can't, it wouldn't make sense for the United States and China to go to war. It would not make sense for anybody. It wouldn't make uh, sense for even Russia and NATO to go to war because the blows on both sides would just, it wouldn't make sense for anybody. But what's interesting is people are starting to use tactical warfare in a different way, whether it's cyber and even the best way is through social media. And we can change an entire generation's thought process and thinking because they're glued to this 10 hours a day and it's influencing people's minds in such an interesting way. And I will say this, and it's interesting because I want to talk, I want to kind of ask you about, you know, how it was because you were obviously, you're super close with Andrew and Tristan Tate. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because when the, you guys came onto the scene, y'all were saying things that, maybe a lot of people thought, but was not being said anywhere. And now I can see it's just from two years it's passed. Y'all have changed the psychology of almost everyone in some capacity. There's girls that I know that I've dated that a year and a half ago thought the worst, you know, when, when he first came out. And now all of a sudden think completely different or more feminine, have completely different values, have changed the way they perceive. What was it like first, like, you know, how long have, have you known those two? And then what was it like when y'all were kind of crafting kind of a plan to go into social media and do all these different things? And then what was it like when it just hyper growth like crazy? Were y'all expecting it to really happen like that? And what was it like seeing that up close? Yeah, man. So I've been knowing him, I guess, four years now. Yeah. And I started about two years ago. Andrew came to me. He's like, hey, listen, I think you have what it takes that, you know, you would do really, really well. Yeah. And in regards to what you're saying with the women, is I truly believe that us helping young men build stronger men, and for that reason, women benefit. Yeah, I get hundreds of messages from women. Yeah, about not either thank you yeah. or you've changed my son's life, sure. or you've changed my perspective and helped me allow myself to get in a feminine role, which is yeah. something that I feel like everyone I, craves. Yes, and women are being patronized for you know, being in the feminine role these days, if you're anything short of a boss bitch or, yeah. you know, yeah, then people want to act like you're weak. But I think some of the strongest women in the world understand their real nature. Yeah. Don't listen to what the world says. Incredible moms. Right. Yeah. Great moms, great wives, yeah. support systems and, and want to live a traditional life with a man. Right. So, um, we definitely get messages from both sides. We get support from both sides. The yeah. women are really coming around these days. I've noticed it the last year. Oh, man. It, it's, they'll tell me thank you or I, my husband's watching your videos now. I just want to thank you. So it's very it's humbling to me, and it's all quite new, if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I lived an entire life for all of this. Right. And the things that I'm saying are common sense to me. You know, like yeah. I can't, I wouldn't even be able to think another way. So when somebody tells me that I changed your life because I told them to get up, get off their ass and work hard, I'm like, it's scary that that's not being said. Yeah. 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 And, and so, uh, it's very interesting, but it's very fulfilling. It's the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. Yeah. And I just hope that we're able to continue to do it in the right way that gives the best impact. And yeah. That's all you can ask. For. Yeah. That's all you can hope for. Yeah. When y'all, when, when, let's see, when you guys really started, just, it started going crazy. Was that 2022? Or is it roundabout? Yeah. Okay. At the beginning. Yeah. How, when it happened as fast as it did, what was that like? So in a lot of ways in the beginning, it was really just kind of 
watching it happen to Andrew. Yeah. You know, and being in touch with Andrew, like when he was going, you know, through a lot of things that he was going through. Yeah. And as we started to build momentum and put systems in, because I mean, it's a business as well. Right. We have to track it every day. We have to set these podcasts up. We have to make sure that we're congruent with the messaging because as a group, I mean, we're have to be on the same page. We're family. Yeah. You know, me, right. Tristan, Andrew, you know, Luke, Thomas. I talk to, I talk to Luke every other day, it seems like. Yeah. Or to Andrew or Tristan every other day and just trying to keep everything on track and trying to make sure that these young men are getting what they need to hear and that we're helping them, you know, that that's what's so amazing about the real world. And yeah. what we're pushing with the real world is like, you have these kids in here and they're making all this money and they're doing pushups and they're, they're not doing drugs anymore. And they're yeah. doing nice things for their, their family and their parents. And they're really accomplishing things at a very, very young age. Yeah. And I just feel like the world's hyper competitive, more competitive than it's ever been, particularly with the internet. Yeah. And we're allowing these kids to have an opportunity to compete at a young age. Right. And uh, I'm really proud of that. I know, I know Tristan's proud of that. I know Andrew's proud of that. Luke, Thomas. Yeah. And, uh, and so, like I said, it's the most fulfilling work we've ever done. Yeah. And the good thing about the real world too, is that women can join. Interesting. A bunch of single moms say, can I join? Or yeah. can girls join? And I just say, yes, ma'am. And just let them go after it. I think it's the best school on the planet. And it's teaching guys in real time how to make money. And the guy that's teaching the course is making money doing that same thing that right. day. Right. So they're there for 24 hours a day. Andrew and Luke, Luke particularly has done just a world-class job of making that school the best thing it can be. And it's 24 yeah. hours a day work Yeah, all the time. Um, and I'm really proud of it. I'm proud to be a part of it. I'm proud that they let me be a part of it. And it's just, it's been really good. Yeah. So last question, just to wrap it up, and I appreciate all your answers. It's been uh, yeah. to learn a ton. What would you say, let's say you got an 18-year-old, 20-year-old, someone that's starting from no money, no inheritance, no any background, and they're like starting from scratch. They got to figure out what to do to be successful, whether no matter where they're at in the world. What would you say is the best starting advice for the next year that they need to focus on to set themselves up for success? You should be very excited about your lack of resources. Okay. Many people are born into good situations. And I always compare those people to a lion that's born in the zoo. Yeah. If the, if the zoo closes, and you don't know how to hunt, you're going to fail anyway. Yeah. So the good news for you is that you're already at the bottom. Yeah. So you have nowhere to fall. Right. And you have an actual story that you can build from nothing. And that should excite you. It should excite you that you don't have a safety net. Yeah. Some of the most exciting days of my life is when I had nothing yeah. to lose. Yeah. Because I could swing the hardest. You're fearless. Yeah. Now I have to make decisions off of, well, if this goes wrong, will I lose part of what I've built? Yeah. And so if I was a young man getting started, I'd get really excited about the fact that you have nothing to lose mm. and you're on this hero's journey and the montage starts early. So just get to work, man. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be the thing that makes you special. Right. It's going to be the thing that people admire about you. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the thing that make people want to pull for you in your career. Right. And <clears throat> I would also say, just don't forget no matter how far you go to bring that part of you that's from your hometown with you. Cause right. that's the part that people are going to love the most. Yeah. So just don't forget that. Love it. Love it. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks guys for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoy us as always. Um, thank you guys for the, uh, for the great comments, the messages and everything like that. Where can we find you on social media? Yeah, man, you can find me at Justin Wynn Waller, uh, a seven on Instagram, Waller seven J. 
And then also join my newsletter. It's at justinwinwaller.com. Got it. And uh, we have a daily telegram, J. Waller Daily. Love it. Love it, man. Thanks so much, guys. And we'll see you guys for episode 58. Hope you guys have a fantastic week.